Welcome to the Disruptive Entrepreneur Podcast. What does the word disruptive mean to you? It means going beyond the ordinary, going beyond the status quo. Not thinking in the conventional way, not just sort of following the herd. Disruptive means shaking things up, you know? Disruptive entrepreneur is somebody who sees the problem and embraces the problem with a new way. Shake up and awakening. Quality will take care of itself and you'll go from being disruptive but also profitable. When you use your own reservoir of talent, when you love what you do, then you disrupt. Mix it up, change it up and dominate. And now, your host, eight times best-selling author and double world record holder, Rob Moore. Hi, it's Rob Moore here. 11 entrepreneur truths that I wish I'd known 11 years ago, which was my uh, first real year as an entrepreneur. I'll list them out, then I'll detail them all, and hopefully I won't be interrupted by the kids and the wife this time. So number one, you're not alone. I'll I'll explain the solution to feeling alone in business. Uh, Number two, it's good to want to make a difference, but it's also good to want to make profit. Number three, time management is easier than you think. Uh, Number four, uh, how to manage and master your emotions well. Number five, if you want to be great in business, you need to be great at this one area of business. Number six, uh, you're going to want to up your social media game for the next 12 months. Talk about that. Number seven, the balance of confidence and humility. Number eight, uh, what you should be planning and preparing for next. Number nine, um, how you feel comparing yourself to others. Number 10, knowing which type of business you are. And number 11, um, me putting maybe some myths away around the hard, hard, hard hustle and graft that you're taught by a lot of maybe American influencers. Okay, so let's detail each one. Now, I've probably done two, maybe three one-to-one coaching calls a day with startup and scale-up entrepreneurs for the last at least three years consistently. Uh, And there are common things that uh, come up with all entrepreneurs. Uh, And the first one, which actually is linked to every single one, is that often you can feel alone. You can feel like the, the challenges, the struggles that you're going through, only you're going through. Why does it have to happen to you? Why can't you figure it out? You know, why do others make it look so easy or not have the challenges that you do and you feel alone? But in reality, you're not because every single entrepreneur that's ever lived has had every single challenge you have. Of course, there are some minor individual nuances, but I'll give you an example. You maybe have some challenges with staffing up or outsourcing or scaling. Well, so did Richard Branson. So did all the other vast entrepreneurs and billionaires. They were one man bands once. Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak, they were just them two in their garage when they started. Steve Jobs was soldering motherboards. And of course, look who and where he became with Apple. Um, So it's not like they had some gift and grace of God or skill and talent that you didn't. Um, So to help you feel not alone, you need to get around other entrepreneurs. You need to have mentors and people who care about you, who've been there and done it. The world is full of people who will give you free advice, which is worth every penny, who haven't walked the walk. There's plenty of critics out there of the keyboard variety, warriors of the keyboard variety, who've got an opinion on what you're doing. Now, I I really want to align myself and be around people who've done what I've wanted to do either way down the line. I like to have mentors who are 50, 60, 70 years old um, who are billionaires because I'm not that old and I'm not that wealthy. And so I feel like they can navigate me. And I also just like to have good friends who will let me have a bit of a, a whinge and a moan when I need it for the therapy who aren't going to judge me. Now, it's weird, this this thing, isn't it? Because if you think about it, it makes no difference if everyone else is having the same challenges you are. If you're having them, you're having them. 
and you want to figure them out. But why do you feel better when you know that everybody else is having the same challenges? It, it must be something to do with, again, just not feeling alone or like it's that it's not you, um, you know, that are, are your flaws or your failings. Um, so only you can change that by getting around the people who inspire you, motivate you, who can mentor you, who lift you up, who've got the answers to your problems. You know, like the difficulty, though, is with when we feel very alone, insular, introverted in business, we're struggling is our natural tendency is to go inward um, and, and, you know, not get ourselves out there, maybe to hide, put your head in the sand. Or uh, another thing that we often do is to bitch, moan, complain, defend and justify. Now, all of those things, OK, they might f- make you feel in the very short term better, but you know that they're not the solution. So challenge yourself and get yourself out there. You're not alone. And I want you to know that if you ever get really down or you're really struggling, and I speak to plenty, plenty of people who do feel like that from time to time as an entrepreneur, uh, as have I from time to time too. And normally pretty much like clockwork twice a year, I kind of feel pretty dark and down and lost and bored and unmotivated and apathetic. Um, and it can last a few weeks sometimes. And, you know, thankfully, each time I, I felt like that, I've shook myself out of it. And the way that that's, I've helped myself do that the best is just to get out of my own way, stop wallowing in my own misery and go and talk to some inspiring people. Now, these don't have to be billionaires, but just people who are doing the same thing as us. Um, so you must remember you're not alone. And if you're ever in those dark moments, then please reach out to me. You can private message me. You can tag me in a, co- a community. I'm always there for entrepreneurs, especially if you're struggling and you're having really dark thoughts. Um, it's not as uncommon as you'd think. Um, but it's, it's actually quite a simple solution. It's, it's just to talk to people and be around people. Um, you know, if, if I told you a load of the challenges I've had, it imme- immediately make you feel better about a lot that you've had um, because I've probably had harder ones. And I don't say that, you know, to go oh, look at me or I'm better. Um, but, it, you, you know, if my business is a bit further ahead of yours, for example, I've probably had more staff leave. I've probably had more um People steal stuff from me. Yeah, probably had more legal cases, etc. And then again, if I was being mentored by a billionaire, they've probably had more than me. Um, I'm interviewing my fifth billionaire for the podcast um, in January. So exciting times for the podcast. Okay, Uh, the second thing is, and I don't know why this is so common, um, but a lot of entrepreneurs, especially in this very soft world where it's, hey, it's not about winning. It's just about taking part. Um, you know, we've got to reward people for taking part and, and it's not about victory. And, you know, there's, there's, it's all about happiness. It's, you know, it's not, we, sh- we can't be driving and striving. It's all about happiness. Um, I'm sorry, but I'm going to challenge that. That's at, at the best one sided, at worst bullshit. Um, in business, if you want to go and help everyone, that's called a hobby or a charity. Um, and the purpose of business is to take risks. Um, and the reward is profit. Um, and I speak to people on a weekly basis who want to help people, who want to change the world, who want to, you know, give back, who want to serve. And that's great. I'm really, I, I admire that. But you've got to go and make some profit. And a lot of people are actively procrastinating doing A, B, C, D and E, which is actually them scared of going out and marketing or selling or putting a product out there or doing a launch. The purpose of business and the, and the definition of an entrepreneur is someone who takes a risk in the hope of profit. Now, I like to change the word hope to guarantee. So um, the ideal long-term strategy for a a sustainable and scalable business is to balance serving and solving and caring and making a difference equally 
with being selfishly motivated to make a net profit margin. Uh, and if you're at either one of the extremes, you're probably not going to have scalability and sustainability. So I don't want to judge which one you're at. But if you're a bit selfishly motivated, maybe you've got to have a better vision that's, you know, serves other people and is, is, is attractive to others, care about your clients, your community. But so many in this modern age, uh, I don't know why, I've got really fluffy about business. And at the end of the day, if, by the way, you can't help people if you don't make profit because you can't reinvest in your products and services and improve them. Um, you can't, if you can't pay your overhead, you have no business and it has to go bust. You have to liquidate it. So let's not get too fluffy about business. The purpose is to make profit. Here we go. The kids are kicking off again, but I'm going to work through this this time. Um, so uh, stop doing loads of other random active procrastination stuff. Don't write another book. You know, don't, um, I don't know, don't, don't do another thing that's not selling. Okay. If you are actively procrastinating, you've got to be honest about that. Number three then is, I think time management is a lot easier than people think. I think people feel like they've got not enough time when in reality, everyone has the same amount of time in the working day. Um, you know, you can, okay, yeah, there's a lot of people who say, well, you can wake up a bit earlier or you can sleep a bit less. I'm not actually really one for pushing out, working harder, 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 because yeah, you can nick an extra couple of hours out of your day. You can. And by the way, if you're not working hard enough, you should get up a bit earlier work a little bit later. But but that is that comes to a point where it's like filling a bucket of water, the bucket's full, you can pour more water, in, but it just displaces um, water that's already in it. So if you get to the point when you're at 12, 14, 15 hours a day, then you've got nowhere else to go. So in reality, time management is about time prioritization. It's about um, managing of your emotions, managing of your planning. And, and I'll give you an example. To do a podcast, um, for me, usually, um, and let's say I'm going to do two episodes a week, takes about 30 minutes of planning and then takes on average about 30 minutes of recording, usually one or two cock-ups like I did this morning or interruptions from the kids and the wife deciding to hoover the room while I'm doing a bloody live feed. Um, so even if it's a 10-minute podcast, it'll usually take me 30 minutes of, of faffing about. Um, but that's an hour. Well, it's an hour for one episode and, and 90 minutes for two episodes. Um, that's not a lot of time. And if anyone says to me, I cannot find 90 minutes a week, then you're deluded about how much time you have. Uh, and you, in reality, you just can't see it as higher priority enough. You know that a new app that is now on Apple where it records your screen time? Well, go on there and look at how much time you're on social media, you're on WhatsApp, you're on you know what, whatever other um, devices and apps, and you'll realize... You, you know, you could be five, six, eight hours a day on those things. You only need 90 minutes once a week to plan and record your podcast. And you've got two podcasts a week and all of a sudden you're building your brand and influence. So time management is easier than you think. Now, I wrote a book called Routine Equals Results. It's a very short book designed to help you plan, compartmentalize, manage and master your diary, your time and your life. And I speak to a lot of people who've read the book and they still haven't compartmentalized the diary. Now, one day I'll do a video and I'll show you my diary. It's pretty simple, but from 5 a.m. until 9 p.m., 9 p.m. is usually when I go to bed, um, everything that I do all day, every day in 15 or 30-minute chunks is already pre-booked in. No one can change those. Um, uh, that's been agreed with my wife. It's been agreed with my family. It's been agreed with my clients. It's been agreed with my staff. I've tested my emotional levels, my energy levels, my um, when I go to the gym, when, when is best for me. Um, 
you know, when I'm most inspired and most creative, when I need to and feel in it most practical, um, when other people are available, because I'd love to have meetings at 6am, but other people um, aren't available then. Um, and so I did a video, which on LinkedIn currently has about 1150 likes. It has a good, what, 100,000 views, um, well over 200 comments um, about systems and processes being mentored by James Kahn and how, you know, good systems and processes take away all the variables of human emotion. And because, you know, discipline is doing what you know you should be doing, even when you don't feel like it. And I think a lot of people with their time management, they're doing things that they want to do rather than they should do. And they're not having the emotional discipline to do what they know they should do, even when they don't feel like it. Whereas if you have a very clear compartmentalized diary and you know that you do your calls 8 to 9 a.m., you do your meetings 9 to 11 a.m., you know, you maybe have time to yourself for creative uh, vision and strategy work from, um, you know, 11 to 1, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m., then 1 p.m. to 2 p.m., you maybe have backup meetings, 3 to 5 p.m., you do admin, 5 p.m. to 6 p.m., you're with your kids having dinner and doing family stuff. 8 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. you're doing live feeds or 8 p.m. to 9.30 p.m. you're doing webinars. You know, when that's, once that's all planned in and you've been doing that a few weeks, it just becomes a habit. Um, and you therefore, you don't really have to manage your emotions because, you know, I'm going to talk about this in a later point. One of the hardest things, not just for entrepreneurs, but for people to do is to manage your emotions because they're strong. They have to be strong because they have to drive us towards, you know, surviving as a, as a human species. And if the fear wasn't strong then it would be like a lemming just walking straight off the cliff. But in the modern world, we have these really strong emotions that stop us doing things or make us do things, addictions, and, um, you know, distractions and procrastinations. Um, where, and, and that can be hard to manage. Whereas if you know what you've got to do and when you've got to do it and you've got a PA or a diary or a system that's you know, basically forcing you to do this, then um, you, know, you're, you get a lot more out of your day, out of your diary, um, I can generally get two to three hours work a day done with a well-compartmentalized diary and get as much done as many people would do in eight hours. I probably, a lot of people have this big perception that I work loads. Um, I don't really work more than two or three hours a day. Now, I like to work two or three hours a day, and I even like to work that on Christmas Day before I get told off by the wife. Um, but yeah, so um, time management is easier than you think. It's actually about life prioritization and and business prioritization. Okay, number four then is um, managing and mastering your emotions well is um, what will also drive your business to be successful. Um, because, you know, leaders and entrepreneurs can often be visionary, strategic, we can be emotional. Um, and sometimes our down emotions can force our staff away from us, can, you know, upset our competitors and, and create enemies from them, can get us into PR or legal issues. Um, you know, like a lot of the times when you're an employer, things are not fair. How much tax you have to pay, you know, staff gaming you and, you know, pulling sickies and, you know, setting up in competition. There's a lot of things that happen that you perceive aren't fair. Um, but really, um, business mastery is taking those in your stride, accepting them, not reacting emotionally and saying and doing things which will create enemies and resistance or breakages. Um, and Mark and I often have this discussion that really um, the, the main thing I think that we've developed as business owners in the last 12 years is managing our emotions. 
learning to smile, learning to accept, learning to be grateful, learning to put up with things that inside frustrate you and are not, you know, are not how you would do things. Um, you know, I give you some, a specific example is, you know, there's plenty of times when I've had staff who've left and haven't really done any work for the last few months and have upset other people and, um, have tried to have moaned about us at recruitment consultants and, you know, have maybe tried to encourage other staff to leave, have maybe set up in competition. Um, you know, like, and I'm paying for this. And of course, you know, I feel like I want to go up to him and say, Hey, look, what are you doing? You know, like, I know you're leaving, but don't you have any pride? You know, do a good job. Um, but if I do that, all that's going to do is upset them more. It's probably going to make them um, more resistant to me. It could, it could even create an enemy, which could mean that we've got um, reputational or employment issues when they leave. But the reality is I was like that when I was an employee. I set up a new business um, when I was fired in the only real job I had that my dad didn't employ me with. So it's funny how... Um, you know, life kind of goes around where the things that people uh, do that upset you are things you end up doing or you have done, but you're just blinkered and um, myopic to that. Um, yeah. And, you know, for me, having the podcast and the live videos and the community and writing the articles and the books and the blogs, for me, that's therapy. I get to talk about this rather than blurting out my emotions. You've probably noticed from time to time, some of my podcasts are quite ranty or some of my videos, you know, or my poster. You know, you can see I'm letting some emotion out there. Well, I think the best place to do it is where you can build a personal brand, where you can reach out and teach and educate your customers uh, rather than in your office in front of all your staff or to your wife or your children. And the sad thing about our emotions and the leakage of them is that often the recipient of the worst sides of us are the people that love us and we love or the people that serve us the most, like our clients and our staff. Um, that's sad that it should be like that. And I suppose it, we, it's like that because we feel like we can trust them. And I'm trying to do the opposite where I'm trying not to leak all this bad emotion out to the people that are closest to me because otherwise I'll just push them away. Okay, um, I've got 11 here and we're going nearly 18 minutes in. I might do them in two parts. Let's, let's see. Okay, five, if you want to be great at business and have a great business and keep growing a great business, there is one thing you need to be great at above all else. And that is marketing. Um, if you have a shop, then sales is doing the transactions once people are in the shop. Marketing is getting people in the shop in the first place. It's getting them queuing at the door like an Apple launch. So there's so many people. I spoke to, what, four or five people this week um, who have got good products uh, and, you know, they have good morals and ethics and values. Um, but they're not getting their products and services out to the world. They're thinking about writing new books, which will take them a year. They're thinking about creating new products, which will take them months. When in reality, they should be marketing and promoting their existing products, the ones that they have, the ones that work. Because creating new products and services is often just veiled procrastination from actually getting out there and doing marketing. Now, I know I'm not the most elegant uh, and persuasive marketer out there, but I don't think many people would deny the fact that I'm pretty persistent and pretty prolific. Uh, and um, prolific definitely beats perfect. And persistence beats perfect. And in reality, um, if you put your work out there, you will get feedback and you'll be able to keep tweaking um, and improving your launch models, your, you know, your offers for your products and services. 
Um, and, you know, no one's going to be pushing and selling and marketing your work for you until you've got a good reputation and you've been doing it many years and there's trust with you and your products in the marketplace. Until then, you've got to get on top on the rooftops and shout about your products and services. Um, so, you know, I like to use a 20 to 50 to one ratio. Um, so 20 or 20, 30 or 50 pieces of value, content, podcasts, books, audio books, um, articles uh, to one sale, if you like. Um, so if I want to sell more, then I just try and increase the value that I put out there because um, I feel like it's a, um, a give and take situation where um, the more you give, the more you earn the right to be able to ask for money. Um, so if you want to sell more, it's not just about selling more. It's about creating the balance of offer to sale. I think Gary Vaynerchuk calls it a jab, jab, right hook. The jab is the giving the value. The hook is the um, making the offer. Um, I wouldn't say it's jab, 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 right hook. I'd say it's jab, 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 knockout punch. But that wouldn't make a very good book title. Now, in the world we're in now, where there's a lot more advertising and there's a lot more content being putting out to the world, the amount of value that you need to give versus that you need to ask for, for money for might increase. Um, but of course, you get really good um, value back uh, every time you put good work out there. If you help a client on a one-to-one or if you write good articles, do good podcasts, blogs, YouTube videos, um, each one of those might attract 10 or 30. Pick of numbers, it might be more new leads or followers or clients uh, each time you put a good piece of content out there. Um, but when all is said and done, more is said than done. Uh, and you need to focus on getting good at launching, good at promoting your products and services, being unashamed and unapologetic about it. If you don't believe in what you've got, why should anybody else? Okay, number six then is nice and quick. I think that if you want to grow your business, your marketing, your income, then 2019 and beyond, you need to up your social media game. Uh, and I haven't been posting enough on Instagram and I'm absolutely going to be upping my Instagram uh, content to at least two posts a day now. Uh, and it's not just in volume of posts, it's of course in tweaking the quality of the posts. Really stepped up my LinkedIn game over the last couple of months. I've almost doubled the amount of, of profile views I have. It went up from seven, uh, about 8,000 um, a month profile views to now pushing 15,000 profile views a month. I'm getting more videos to go viral. The great thing about LinkedIn is um, for organic content, um, it seems to be much more favorable of giving you reach and it will go way beyond your existing contact base. So you, in many other social media platforms, you can only really reach your friends or your connections. But LinkedIn if you um, have good content and it gets shared and commented on within the first hour, it'll push you really wide. Um, so I really want to up my social media game. I want to increase the quality and quantity of the content that I do for you, for my communities. I'm definitely going to be launching and pushing my brand more in America because I've never really focused on getting into the American market, which is way bigger than the UK market. So I'm really upping my social media game for 2000 and um, 19, 20 and beyond. I've got two YouTube consultants who are working with me to help me up my YouTube game because that's really lame compared to my other profiles. You should be doing the same. Do you have a podcast? Do you have a good YouTube channel? Are you doing live feeds and putting good content out there? Are you, have you got really good content that's topical and, um, getting good discussion on LinkedIn, Instagram, etc.? Okay. Then number seven is, 
Uh, business, I believe, is about maintaining a good balance of confidence and humility. Um, humanity would also be true. Um, so if you don't believe in yourself, why should anyone else? Uh, and if you're putting a business out there and you have zero confidence in it, uh, then what are you doing? Um, because, you know, you should believe in what you do. Now, the belief can come from the enjoyment and just the passion. It's something you love to do. And of course, the belief can come from the proof, the success, the results. Now, there's two different kinds of confidence. One is a, a confidence in the future and another one is the, the assuredness of you feeling it now. You've got to have at least one. And if you haven't got confidence that it's going to be great because you love it, you're passionate about it and you want to do it for a long time for a lot of people, or you know you've got proof and um, unshakable um, faith that you know what you're talking about. If you haven't got one of them, what are you doing it for? Um, so, you know, but then confidence can sometimes come in, turn into hubris or arrogance or complacency or narcissism. Uh, and, you know, these are human traits. So, um, it's not about being perfect and it's not about never experiencing those because they have upsides too. I know I am quite susceptible to getting ahead of myself. In the past, it would be through defensiveness or fear. When I started to do well, it might be, you know, just look, I want, look how good I am. Come on, because I've never really been good at anything and I wanted people to notice me. Um, but when I get a bit ahead of myself, then um, I usually get taught a big lesson by the world or my clients or a critic, a nice big wet kipper slap in the double slap in the face, which I need. Um, and for me now, I definitely don't have complacency. I just don't. I always seem to have some small fear that it could all go to shit like a house of cards or there's a big recession coming because I do now that I have a bigger profile and brand, I do fear um you know, losing it. And that actually, I know, serves me as long as I allow it not to freeze me and cripple me. That serves me not to be too arrogant, too um, flippant, too overconfident, whereby I'm not protecting downside risks. Like I'm I'm going to take Progressive, one of my property companies, into six new countries uh, this year, but I will do one or two small events uh, on, on a low budget. I will not go, no, look at me, I'm global. I'm going to be massive and take over the world because that's a sure way to break everything I've got. And built over the last 12 years. Um, so, you know, you want to be humble to know that you can learn from everyone. You want to be humble to always be a student rather than feel that you're an expert. You want to be humble to, you know, look to serve and solve and care for your clients. Um, deal with critics in a, a respectful and elegant way. Every now and again, you need to have a scrap and defend yourself and not be bullied. That's okay. But for the most part, you know, are you um, trying to learn from everyone and respecting everyone? and listening to their point of view and taking their feedback in building your products and services. Okay, next one then, I think we're on number eight, is the time is now. In fact, the time was a few years ago, but we can't go back. But the time is now to plan, prepare, save, get liquid for, access to finances right now for the next recession. It might be one, three, five years away, who knows? Um, but it's coming. It's obvious that it's coming because certain assets are getting really highly priced. In other assets have started to drop and... Um, you know, like the stock market in some areas in the UK of property have already started to drop. The signs are there. And we've been since 2008 was the last one. So we've been 10 years into what might be a 15 year cycle. It might be less. It might be a bit more. So, but if you're not planning now, when it happens, you'll miss all the great buying opportunities of businesses and cars and watches and properties. You'll miss all the great marketing opportunities. You'll miss all the new business models that, that grow out of the recession. And this, these always happen. Every recession, you get some of the biggest companies in the world formed. Um, so I'm telling you now to be well ready years in advance, um, because you'll be glad you did. I, I remember in 2010, Mark and I bought so many very, very cheap properties. 
We only knew that that was like the best year to buy properties once it had gone and prices had gone up and those prices were just pipe dreams. And we said to ourselves, we want to be ready for when that happens again. And so do you. Okay, number nine, then absolutely stop comparing yourself to other people. It's a curse. Um, The upside is it drives you. The upside is it forces you to grow, to learn. Um, But of course, comparing yourself to to others can be a lonely and futile pursuit um, because you can never be anyone else better than them. You can only be a better version of you. And I often compare myself to other podcasters. And here's what I do. You know, there'll be American podcasters who've been doing podcasts a lot longer than me. In America, that's five times the population and about seven or eight times the amount of people that listen to podcasts in a way easier country and market to market. And I'm comparing my downloads and reach of podcasts to them. Whereas many of these people who've got these big podcasts, you know, many of them, you know, probably don't have a huge amount of money. They don't have hundreds of properties. Um, they don't have the, the, the balanced family. Uh, and there's things that I've done and got that they haven't, but I don't do, I don't ever look at them and go, well, actually, I'm doing well here, here and here. And, and not to be cocky about it or to, um, but, but just to, if you're going to compare yourself to anyone else, you should do the upside as well as the downside. Arnold Schwarzenegger is one of my heroes and, you know, it's a futile exercise for me to try and be like him. And um, the, the best thing I should do is have him inspire me to want to be a better version of me, um, to want to, you know, self-actualize, if you like, and and maximize my own potential. Now, that's difficult because there's competitors in the market, you know, and there's our own fears and doubts. Um, But I would say if you're going to compare yourselves to others, do it for inspiration, motivation, enthusiasm, drive to get yourself out of a hole, but only for that and not to make yourself feel demotivated, uh, any less um, or frustrated uh, because th- that just doesn't help or empower you. I know that it's a challenging thing, but um, I think we can all get better at that. Okay, number 10 then is know what type of business you're in and you want uh, uh, and then build your strategy and your time management and your um, business plan and your marketing around it. And a lot of people get these muddled. So I think that there are three main types of business um, person. There's the entrepreneur, the lifestyle entrepreneur, and then the empire builder. So the intrapreneur is someone who wants to be like an entrepreneur, wants some autonomy, some freedom, some drive. They want to own things, but they don't necessarily want to take the risk. And therefore, they might partner with an entrepreneur or they might work for a company like Progressive or Unlimited Success or Apple, like Johnny Ive, um, you know, the, the head designer. You know, you, you don't really see him as an employee. Um, and if you think of how Sheryl Sandberg is treated at Facebook, I mean, she's her own brand and entrepreneur within her own right, yet she's an employee. So I'd I'd regard her as an intrapreneur. That's okay, by the way. A lot of people who follow people like me um, kind of feel like they're forced or that they should want to, should be an entrepreneur because that's what everyone espouses. And a lot of people, especially the American influencers, are a bit like, well, if if you've got a job, you're a bit of a loser, a turkey. I don't agree with that at all. Um, There are people who make tens of millions a year who are employees. But, you know, an employee is also a type of business owner. You're running your own business, except you don't have a power or autonomy or choice. Um, so the second type of entrepreneur is a lifestyle entrepreneur. And the lifestyle entrepreneur generally wants to maximize their time. Time is their greatest asset and freedom. They'd be prepared to sacrifice, you know, of tens of or hundreds of millions for time, for choice. Uh, and so you might want, need more passive strategies um, and you, you sacrifice some growth and scale, but you like lifestyle. 
And then the third type is an empire builder who wants big, vast, scaled, scalable. They're just hungry and passionate and they love business and it consumes them and they want to grow something big and meaningful. And it's wise to know which one you are and then you compartmentalize your time, your diary, your life, as I share in Routine Equals Results, according to which one you are. And when, you, when you're kind of honest about which um, entrepreneur you are, I think it really helps you become that and fulfill that rather than trying to be a bit of everything and then getting really lost. And then finally, and thanks for staying with me for this whole time, if you did, um, there's a lot of people out there that are pumping out the 50x, the hustle, the grind, the work, 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 work. Um, and I think that that's damaging for culture and society. Um, working harder, 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 harder is only one part of the success equation. Working smart is another part, and it's often the bigger part. So leverage, outsourcing, um, your partnerships, joint ventures, um, taking your task list, looking at them all, instead of mindlessly trying to do them all, look at the one thing that would render the rest unnecessary. Um, getting admin and lower value tasks done by outsourcers and um, you know on websites, using apps and systems and software and processes. Now, I've written a lot about that in Life Leverage, and I've got loads of podcast episodes on that, so I won't detail that with you. But I think we, we need to start changing our programming, um, and I'm going to start challenging and debating a lot of these um, entrepreneurs who are talking about working every single day. There was one who I've interviewed who I um, really like and admire and respect, and he was doing a live feed, and he was selling stuff on Christmas Day, saying that he works on Christmas Day, and that's all fine uh, if that's what you want to do. But um, I don't feel like anyone should feel like they must work on Christmas Day. I like to work on Christmas Day, but only for a couple of hours. Um, but, you know, like often working harder on the wrong things gets you further behind than working less, but on the right things. Um, so getting rid of all the procrastination, the precrastination, the active procrastination, um, and leveraging apps and software and technology, which is just so much easier to do in the modern age, that um, is also going to get you towards success rather than just a hard graph. Now, I don't know what price you want to pay for success in business, but um, for me, I don't want a, a price to pay to not see my kids or to get divorced or to burn out or to die when I'm 55 or whatever um, because I worked so fucking hard. That's not the price I want to pay. Um, and I don't know if you've watched Becoming Warren Buffett. Now, there's no doubt he works, but he sits and reads for five hours a day, he sits in his office chair and has his little drink um, and he reads, you know, um, accounts and reports. Um, and that's not what I mean, you know, it's, it's an enjoyment process for him. So it's working hard and smart. And, you know, he leverages staff and he leverages outsourcers. Um, I have researchers. I have uh, uh, two assistants, um, now three, although one of them's just left. But making a PA's leave. Sorry to everyone who's been a PA of mine and who has left. Um, I love you. Uh, yeah, anyway. Uh, so let me summarize then the 11 things, um, the truths about entrepreneurship that I've just um, discovered through lots of one-to-one -one calls that we all experience. Number one, you're not alone. So you need to reach out and be around people who are doing what you're doing. It will really lift you up. And number two, um, making a difference is great, but making profit is um, the vital thing about business. Um, so stop doing random shit and start selling more things. And number three, time management is way easier than you think. You just need to be more disciplined and less emotional and more compartmentalized with your time um, and prioritized. And I wrote a book called Routine Equals Results, which details all of that. It's a very short book, but there's lots of exercises. It's a very practical book. Number four, I'm managing and mastering your emotions well. Um, 
that will be your business mastery, um, not taking things personally and questioning your emotion. You know, a lot of people say you should always trust your instinct and intuition. You know, be honest about how you feel. I'm not sure that's right. Um, I think you should often mistrust your emotions, i.e. something happens and you emotionally react. But that's a past programming or, um, you, you know, your ego. But actually, why don't you sit there going, hmm, why am I thinking that? Why do I feel challenged like that? And what is it in me that's making me feel like that and not in them? So I think you should be sceptical about your emotions and, and learn to master them. I'm not saying that they're not always wrong, but I think your initial strong emotional reactions often are um, not the truth or the right way to react and respond. Okay, number five then is if you want to be great in business and have a great business and grow a great, huge business, uh, you need to be great at marketing, 100%. Um, marketing is getting people in the shop. Without anyone in the shop, you've got no shop. Um, definitely, we all need to be upping our social media game. There are huge opportunities. Um, that was number six. Number seven, try to maintain a balance of confidence and humility. You'll probably oscillate between extremes. Try and balance it where you can. And number eight, plan, prepare, save, get liquid and access to finance for the next recession. Do it now. Number nine, stop comparing yourself to others. Number 10, know what type of business you are. Entrepreneur, lifestyle entrepreneur, empire builder. And then number 11, it's not just about working hard. It's about working smart, leverage, apps, processes, tech, systems, partnerships, and joint ventures. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you found this episode useful. Make sure you're in the Disruptive Entrepreneur Community, um, which is the sister social media Facebook group where all of us who are listening to the Disruptive Entrepreneur podcast engage, debate, forge partnerships, etc. So thanks for tuning in. Have a great day. And remember, if you don't risk anything, you risk everything.